My name is Andy and I'm a proud Palawa woman. I'm a descendant of the great chief Manalagena and I grew up on Moanina country. I'm now living, working and raising my family on Bunjalung country. On behalf of my dear friends at the Mind Street podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast was recorded. We are inspired by the strength and endurance of the world's oldest living culture and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. Welcome to the Mind Street Podcast. Join us as we delve into the extraordinary journeys, experiences and insights of some of Australia's most exceptional leaders. From entrepreneurs to influential executives, we uncover the hidden gems of wisdom that have shaped their paths to success. Whether you're an emerging leader or established in your leadership journey, the Mind Street Podcast will give you the insights and inspiration needed to thrive in today's dynamic world. Welcome back to the Mind Street Podcast. I'm pumped today to have Chris Hemville. I think of Chris as one of the best bosses I've ever had. Uh, he's a genuinely good guy, but also has been a CEO, a strategic leader across many organisations in emerging categories. Uh, he's also a father of four, so he's inspired me in many ways. Uh, and when I think of best boss, I think of that for a number of reasons. One, he's nurturing, he's caring, his consideration, but also, as his words, feedback, blasting me with the red pen around some of my opportunities to, for improvement. Uh, so it's great to have you, Chris. Welcome. Oh, thank you. And thank you for those kind words, mate. Best boss ever. That's a, uh, a pretty big uh, mantra to live up to. Well, this is about helping uh, people listening to identify what leadership looks like, what it feels like for them, so they can take away some of the tips and tricks from great leaders like yourself. So great to have you here. Thank you. No, no you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, look, I I think about it the, in, in, in these terms, and, and I don't think any of it's been uh, sort of invented in the last five or so years. Um, I think it does come down to those old adages of, of trust, uh, honesty, um, and communication. When I say communication, uh, that's open communication. So it is very much two-way. Um, I had a great boss who once said to me, uh, message sent does not equal message received. And I think if you think about that in terms of your uh, your communication in particular, um, then you start to put yourself in the in the sort of the shoes of the receiver um, and think through, you know, what's their context? What are they going through? Uh, and how are they receiving and, and sort of decoding the messages that you've you've given them? Thinking about last three years and how much has changed and that those foundational concepts of trust and communication, what are you noticing right now in the current context for leaders, for teams, for organisations about trust and communication given what we're embarking on in this new world of hybrid working and, and whatnot? Yeah, look, that, that's a great point. And, um, and it's classic because I'm currently working uh, alongside a startup at the moment and I'm really observing uh, the, the, the old leadership style of, of, of the two founders. Um, and, and it's really about, you know, they're struggling. And I think a lot of leaders uh, and organisations these days are struggling around the, you know, what do you mean you want to work from home? You know, what, what's all this flexibility, you know? Um, hey, look, it took me years to get this, to this position, you know? So take your time. I, I think those sorts of, of conversations are, are coming, uh, are becoming much more commonplace in the work, workplace. And if they're not happening, they're happening under the water, mm. and so so managers and leaders really need to be to be tuned in. I actually don't think it's that different to back when we were first starting work. I, I call this the sort of the the next generation workforce. 
Um, I don't think it's that different to when we were starting out, but we probably just didn't have the courage to have those conversations, to to stand up and say, you know what, if you don't provide me X, Y, and Z, I, I am going to walk out the door. Um, I, I think I think this current workforce is a lot more emboldened to get what they want a bit more quickly. We probably wanted it, if I want to say back in the day, um, but maybe we weren't prepared to, to, to sort of make those calls. And so I think that that deep down in all of us, we've already got responses to those questions, you know? Do I want more flexibility? I would have loved more flexibility. How can I make it more flexible for you? How can I actually create something that's different for you that was actually the world maybe that I wanted but couldn't have at the time? So I think that's one of those, those uh, the key challenges I think that I, I, I certainly see with, with old leadership styles. And I think it still comes down to those, those old adages, mate, you know, honesty, um, creating a, a trusting environment because you got and you got to work on that. You can't mm. just say, "Hey, everyone, be honest in conversations." You know, we'll, we'll be really respectful. You've actually got to live that, um, and then just keep that communication opening. So it hasn't really changed, but there might be nuances on those themes for people listening that are keen to build trust and better their communication and be more honest with their teams in this flexible hybrid work from home, work for the office model, what, what's your tips and tricks? How, how do you build that trust and, and communication in this environment? Yeah, I, I think the first thing, Sam, is it's just a little bit harder. You know, you, you can't just call everyone into a, a into a town hall. You, you can, you can do a virtual town hall, but you can't sort of, you know, corral everyone into a room and say, hey guys, you know, really important, we've got to get these messages out. Um, or, or there's some information I need to, to, to really give to you quickly and we need to, to sort of work up a response as a group in the room. It, it, it's a lot harder, um, but it's, it's, it's kind of still the same. Um, yeah, look, how do you do that in an, in an honest and, a, and an open way? And, and you've, you've probably heard and, and maybe other leaders have, have used the word, the, you know, being an authentic leader. Um, you know, and, and the question is, you know, people say, oh, I've got an authentic leadership style. Well, what does that mean? Um, what it means is is you very quickly understand and know what my values are. Mm. You, you can sort of sense my value set. I might even tell you, I might not tell you, but you can sense and understand my value set. And so therefore you understand how I operate. And what it will mean is that, that look, you know, I might not always make or I might not always help you or the team get to the right decision. And, and heck, we all make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in getting to that, you, you know exactly how I'm going to operate. You know exactly the way I'm going to turn up. You know the way I'm going to respond. You know the way I'm going to critique and question. And if I do that in a consistent manner mm-hmm. over and over again, then that's, a, that's an authentic leadership style. Um, you can live it authentically. It may not be for everyone, mm-hmm. but at least people will be able to understand and say, you know, that's Chris turning up today and when he turns up tomorrow, he's going to turn up the same way. And I'm not sort of second guessing and thinking and, and then maybe reframing my answer or my response um, or, or trying to rethink what he wants done. Mm. It, it, it's actually quite clear. Um, and I also know that he's, he's built a great environment that, that I can go out there and make a mistake or I can honestly put my hand up and say, why don't we do it this way or have we thought about that in a way that won't be judged um, or in a way, if it is going to be judged, it'll be judged fairly and, and not harshly. So clarity via consistency is what drives authenticity. Yeah, I think so, and 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 the the consistency is not only 
the way you, you consistently turn up or you consistently operate, but also they can see that you're not there struggling. You know, you're not saying one thing, yeah. but deep down people can see you're actually in another direction. It needs to be consistent in that in that respect. And, and when that happens, it's actually, it's very obvious. Mm. And, and certainly in, in my experience, looking at some of the great leaders I admire, it is extremely obvious. And do you see that's a bit of a shift from the uh, the celebrity CEO to more of that authentic, consistent, doing what they say they're going to do. Is that the shift that we're seeing now in organisations? Yeah, look, I'm probably not really that well qualified to, to comment on that. I've always um, sort of uh, shied away from those sorts of, um, you know, just CEO for good time type leaders. And when I say CEO, everyone's a leader, right? So so we can take it through many, many parts of the organisation. And I've always found myself drawn towards um, people who, who who I think lead those those truer leadership styles and traits. Um, and I can see when they're hard and I go, actually, you know what, I, I can understand that because they've actually created in, in the bank a bunch of credits. Mm-hmm. So I can say, okay, you, you maybe you're acting a, a, a bit off today, but I can actually see that's really got to you or perhaps you weren't expecting that response, but over time you, you, you build a different rapport. Um, but it, it, it does come down to being consistent um, and it does come down to, you know, you you say something and, and people hear it and, and they not only hear it and take it in, they believe it. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and some of, and, and I know when, when, when you and I worked for, for, for a short while together, a little while ago, um, we would often, we would often look at some of the leaders in our business and, and we would say, we'll take the hill for that, for that, for that leader. Mm. Um, even if it means there's going to be loss of life or, you know, that's, that's a dramatic, you know, um, sort of uh, example, but. But it, it, it is that example of sort of, no, I'm, I'm going to go in the trenches with this one. Um, you know, we'll take the hill because we actually know in the long term, um, this is the right way to go. And this is the right leader that we want to sort of aspire to work for. And in your experience, in your career, I'd love to hear some of the leaders that have inspired you and some of the experiences that have shaped your leadership style, because your authentic leadership style is one that gravitates people towards you. So what, what have been some of those experiences? Look, I, I think some of the... <clears throat> The best leaders I've worked for um, are those who are who really take a bit of time to to help provide that context, you know. Who don't just come and say, "Have that on my desk by Monday morning," or "We need to do A, B, and C, uh, and in that order, and and let's go." Um, but it's those who who actually take the time, um, even if they don't have a lot of time, they take the time to provide the context, provide the background. Mm. Help people understand the why. So this is why. This is the situation. This is why we need to respond or, or prepare something or whatever it might be. Um, and then guide, you know, not direct them how to solve it, you know, so that they can say, hey, so have we thought about doing X or Y? And you say, actually, that, that sounds great. Um, or they, they, they feel they've got a hand in the solution. That's the, a way of empowering them mm. um, versus just telling. I mean, you, you, you've, you've, you've got a lot of task orientation and then you've – but at the end of the day, we've got an outcome that we're looking to, to, to achieve. And those leaders who have said, here's what we're trying to do, let's take a step back, um, often as a recipient you feel more empowered. But secondly, the, the – the result or the outcome is is, is often um, much better. It's it's either more sustainable, certainly, mm-hmm. um, or it might be sort of going in a direction that others mightn't know. What actually kicked off my leadership journey at work was um, was was back with a with a company called Lion Nathan Australia, now called Lion, a, a, a fantastic company. 
the time I joined them, I was a young dad. So I, I had a little bit of experience. Um, but up until then, probably like a lot of people, um, mostly my work had been about individual achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was working about how one day I would become a leader, right? And, and what Lion Nathan did with, with all walks of the organization is they took us through a journey and they really lived a mantra they spoke of. And, and the mantra was pretty simple. Every year, every quarter, we were appraised on, on the job we'd done. Mm-hmm. 50% was about the output, right? About what you did, 50%. The other equal 50% was how you did it. What was the way? How was your manner? Was it sustainable? Did you get it despite the body count or did you actually build it in a way that actually people felt, felt good about it? Mm. So 50% work and 50% how. And, mm. and I think if, if leaders sit back and go, I need a healthy percentage on the how, then, then they will probably sort of undertake a different, a different style. They will, they will look to engage with people and connect with them. They will look to provide the context. They will provide background. They will be open to suggestions. Uh, and it kind of really, for me at that moment, that was that was actually a real tipping point to understand mm. that I'd gone from an individual. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously worked in team environments, um, but I'd really gone from an individual achievement to actually stepping back and going, well, well, how was that great piece of work or that analysis or that particular project? How how was it actually delivered? Um, and if I had my time again, how was everyone feeling about that? It's a great way to review our performance. How did I achieve the what and how did I go about in terms of my behaviours, the way I engaged and took people on the journey. I think it's a great frame for leaders to think about their approach because you can get it done, but you can get a lot of collateral damage along the way, the body count to your point. Yep. But And sometimes you can go too much on the how, a bit of too much uh, engagement that doesn't get the task done. So it is a balance between the both of them. Yeah, it, it's certainly a balance. And, and, and I know that very much in my early days at Lion Nathan, I was railing and saying, yeah, but it's it's really about the job. So that should be 80%. Mm. And uh, and I think it took me a, a lot of years to actually unpack that and go, actually, you know what? It, it probably was right at 50-50. I certainly thought it was way overweighted. And, and of course, we will come to certain situations where a crisis might demand that that steps mm-hmm. have to be taken immediately. A project with a looming deadline or a deadline that's been passed you know, three or four times now, you need to step in and take command and you and you probably need to bring a, a different attitude and a different conversation to that particular scenario. But again, it's all built on the context. Mm. And if people see you turning up and, and understanding that's that's an authentic way uh, and that's in a way that's that's gonna get the job done but helping, then then I think that's a that, that's a good way to go. You're listening to The Mind Street Podcast with Sam Mead. Some of the times when you've learnt the most about yourself, some of the adversity or the wins that you've had through your leadership journey, what what did you learn about yourself through some of those leadership moments that were challenging at the time or celebratory at the time? What did you learn about you? Yeah, look, I think it always comes down to you, you think you're a pretty good listener. Um, and, uh, and I certainly, uh, when I receive feedback, I go, wow, you, you really mustn't have heard me properly or that, that, that couldn't be right. Or how could you think that? Right. Um, and again, I've seen a couple of organizations where they really, they really talk about in particular feedback, you know, feedback's a gift. So even if you want to dismiss it, it is someone's construct of how they were feeling when you interacted with them and you, and you can't, 
challenge them on that. You can try and understand it. You can try and unpack it a bit more, but you can't say that's not how you felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think if, if I think back to, to the best times I learned, um, it's, it's rarely about nailing a job and getting it done and, and delivering a project or winning a customer or having a fantastic outcome. They're, they're sorts of things you, you, you kind of expect, you aspire to, you get disappointed when you don't get there, but I don't think you really learn. You learn when, when, when you hit the, those adverse moments, you learn when, uh, when things aren't going well. I've, I've, I've had a, the, the CEO I'm, I'm currently working alongside at the moment said, a deal's not done until it's been broken. And I think, Interesting. and I think what he means there is that it's in those deepest moments of challenge you actually start to rethink how, how is it that I'm I'm trying to drive this? Um, are we taking the right approach? Do we need to rethink our, our our bit of analysis, whatever it might be? And I think it's in those moments that you actually truly learn yourself. I learned that I that I've got my two ears and only one mouth, but I use the mouth more than my two ears, so I can always listen more. Um, and and when I say listen, not just, yep, thanks, Sam, great, great idea, I heard you, but actually really listen, engage, ask questions um, for understanding, critique it, um, and then ultimately empower you or myself to sort of go off and, and let's explore that. Mm. Good tip. Fatherhood, another leadership role in your life, father of four mm. now grown up kids. What are some of your thoughts and experiences as it relates to leading as a dad? Yeah, it, it's pretty funny because I, when I when I was first working, I looked at these these young dads and they were racing off on a you know four o'clock in an afternoon, unheard of to 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 take you know Billy to to soccer training or to you know all these other things. And I used to think you know wow what you know that's that's interesting. Why aren't you prioritising your work? I mean, at the end of the day, work's work, um, and you've got to you know you've got to prioritise family. The, the lessons you learn when you try family is is the is the more you invest. You know the old adage: the more you put in, the more you get out. Um, certainly, I think parenthood, fatherhood, motherhood, um, really, really um, gives you patience. Um, I think it uh, it enables you to think about new perspectives because often through children's eyes, they're seeing things that how could they possibly see it that way? And you you take a step back and you go, that's interesting. Wow, I wonder when I say those sorts of things at work, what are people thinking? You know, are they actually hearing it the same way that my five-year-old or my ten-year-old or my now twenty-one-year-old is, mm. is listening? Um, so, so I think those are interesting. I, th- I think with 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 most, it, it, it's a beautiful journey. I mean, I, I reflect back on 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 what am I here for, and I'm I'm not here to lead companies and do all that sort of stuff and make a whole lot of money. I'm actually here to to create a, the, the the next round of. Of of people in in my in my hood, uh, and how can I actually do it in a way that's um, that they're proud to I'm proud, but they're proud to be who they are. They are proudly um, who they are and what they achieve. And we've got a range of achievements, sporting and academic, in our family, and it's not a one size fits all. So, um, and probably just reflecting on that, the the, the not one size fits all. Um, and I know that you've got uh, four boys. Good lord, <laughs> that would be its own challenges, but. All four boys would be different, you know. There'd be some similarities, but everyone's different, unique, uh, and everyone's got a different perspective. And I think if you take the different perspective and you pull that back into a work sense, you know, everyone looking at a problem or looking at a way you're going to do something is not going to think the same way. Mm-hmm. And so different perspectives probably make us stronger. And that is 
exactly why diversity of thought and of, of background is so important in organisational culture. Uh, what do you see as emerging as opportunities, watchouts, particularly over the next six, 12 months in the economy, in organisations? We're seeing a bit of a transition. Uh, what, what are you identifying as, as opportunities or watchouts for, for, for leaders, for organisations as we head into this next phase? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, if you if you reflect globally, you look at, you know, and I'm currently working in, in the energy space, you know, we've got a, a war ongoing in Ukraine um, and we've got, you know, the, the one of the, the, the countries, Russia, who, who control large amounts of the world's energy supplies and the disruptions that's having um, across energy markets globally. Uh, we're still trying to catch up on supply chains from COVID. Um, and, then, and then sort of if we look here and, and across the ditch in New Zealand, uh, we've got real economic pressures being brought to bear. Uh, we've got rising inflation rates. We've got rising interest rates. Um, you know, people are talking right now very much about cost of living. Um, businesses are looking at their at their investments and sort of saying, are we are we still feeling good about going ahead with projects? So I think from a from a an economic point of view, we are going to see a slowdown here in Australia. Um, that'll present opportunities for some businesses. For other businesses, it will be all backs to the wall mm-hmm. um, and, and let's go hard. As a as a leader, you've got to sort of understand those those crises and, and importantly, obviously, what it means for your business. But then you've got to look at the people who, who turn up every day, you know, and uh, they come from all different walks of life and certainly in the organisation I'm at, they do. Some people, you know, I'm lucky I, I, I catch a train, I'm 15 minutes away from work. Others are travelling an hour and a half. They're, they're, everyone's got their different stresses. Um, but I think we're going to find that in the next six months in particular, um, I think this this workforce that we hear is silently walking with their feet. That I think that will start to pause somewhat. Mm-hmm. That will be reluctant, by the way. That won't be because they're happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will build up even more the reason why they, they may have wanted to walk. Um, but I think other other organisations are going to look and say, well, how do we batten down the hatches? How do we how do we look after our people and how do we sort of, you know, um, get our business ready for the shocks? As I said, it might be opportunistic for some. For others, it might be how do we survive? Mm. It brings me to one of your strengths, uh, strategic thinking, strategic leadership, actually one of the most strategic leaders that I've ever worked with. What is strategy? It's one, and it's one of those words like culture or sustainability that people take many different meanings to. Uh, what does strategy mean to you? Oh, that's a... That's a question that's probably got an hour's podcast of itself. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I um, I've always come from a from a background where um, we, we've received some very smart strategic consulting advice from top tier strategy firms, uh, and don't want to diss them at all. They're, they're amazing intellectual thinking and some unbelievable PowerPoint decks that have been that have been presented to us, and we we do love a good PowerPoint deck. My experience has been mostly in the in the implementable strategies mm-hmm. piece. So, so not not how do you dumb it down because I think I think they're words that then are unfair, but actually how do you distill the 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 key bits that are really going to move the needle, sort of get rid of all the noise because because in any business you can you can optimize pretty much everything you do. But how do you pick the the the, the one or two or three that really do change the needle, uh, or if you're operating already at a, at a very high level, what are the, the one or two percenters or even the half percenters? Um, and then really understand what's the organisation's capability to deliver against that because you might say we need to crack this market, you might need to say we need this particular um, piece of capability. But 
But the reality is if, if, if you don't have it or you can't build it, then it's, it's possibly unattainable. Mm. So really understanding what's, what's practical and implementable without, without losing the visionary part. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do we then corral the, the, the resource of an organization to effectively deliver on that? That to me is where I see it done best. Um, and then people are very clear from the, from the top of the leadership. The narrative is the same all the way through. We're doing A, B, and C, and everyone's clear why, and everyone's clear what we're driving towards. And that's when I see sort of strategic leadership at its best. Thank you, mate. Love it. Um, brilliant. Any other pearls of wisdom before we wrap up? Because I know you've got a few, but any other thoughts <laughs> or questions or ideas that come to mind? Look, as you, as, as you reflect back and you, and you think of all the times you, you haven't done as well as, as you thought you might have done as well, um, you always say, you know, sort of, you know, where was I in that? Uh, how did I turn up? Mm. Um, and I think an, an, another another great leader I worked for and, and that you worked for um, back in the day, um, he had a great way or, or there, was a, there was a book, I believe, called Fish uh, and it talked about four or five states and the first one was, um, talked about, you know, turning up. And, and, and I think that, that, you know, whether the times are good or the times are bad, um, whether you're at home with your kids um, or whether you're, you're at work and people are relying on you, um, how do you be present? Mm. You know, how, how, how do you say, oh, I'm here in the moment, um, but the person across the table or having a coffee with you knows you're there with them? How do you turn up and how do you be present? I think they're sort of important things to sort of take with us every day. Thank you, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today and we look forward to having you back again in the future. Sounds great. Good Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening today. To access the content from today's episode, please see the show notes below. And if you like what you heard, hit subscribe. See you next time.